Welcome to the Voice of Business, the official podcast of the Chamber of Commerce Hawaii, brought to you by Altruist. I'm your host, Joe McGarry. Our guest today is Alison Izu Song. She's the owner and designer of fashion brand Alison Izu. Launched in 2008, Alison's overreaching mission is to inspire and empower women through fashion. Designing for women five foot five and shorter, Alison is redefining the way women see and dress their bodies. I'm so happy you're here today. How Thank are you? Thank you. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's such a pleasure. And I really do have so many questions for you because your industry, I think, was one of the ones that had to pivot immediately yes. from how you did business to how you do business. Yes. But before we go there, um, tell us a little bit about you and how your interest in fashion began, because I think there are so many people today so interested mm -hmm. in fashion, largely through Netflix and shows and, and more appreciation of how the industry works. Mm -hmm. How was it for you? What began your path? Yeah, I mean, I've always been a lover of fashion and I joke because I went to a school that forced me to wear uniforms that it almost pushed me past that for like a need to express myself through fashion um, and being short I'm barely 5'2 uh, when I went away to design school I realized that we were designing clothing for a different woman not myself and so it dawned on me that that was why I felt like fashion wasn't really fitting me properly or looking right on me and that whole time you kind of think it was you you're like oh it's just me it just doesn't fit me the way it fits all the other girls but what I came to understand was just based off of proportions and how we design and make patterns that we were designing for women who were like 5'8 like a fit model instead of somebody who's barely 5'2 like myself so that was kind of my aha moment into how I could create a brand that was different from other brands and focus really on um, a niche market. It seems incredible looking back on it that, that uh, there's an industry that was really just focused on one type of person. Yes. Like a size two, five foot eight yes. person. And as we all know, they exist everywhere, right? right. I mean, it's such a <laughs> right. rare person. Exactly. D was part of your kind of determination in school and when you started your business to sort of blow through that in mm -hmm. the industry, you know, to get rid of that idea that you know, women are a certain size and shape because we're not, right? Right. And I think when I was going to school, you know, we weren't as empowering of different body types. So we saw the same models on the magazines and we saw the same people. And so really, we didn't even, and we did feel like it was just us that was this size and this shape. So it was really hard. Like it kind of does a number on your self-esteem. Um, but what I realized was through creating this brand, you know, I would go to, even in the beginning when I would go to stores, they would tell me, oh no, we don't have short people shopping here. So I got a lot of no's in the beginning and it really was a tough thing to hear. How did you answer that? I when know. I mean, really, seriously, <laughs> yes, listen yes. to that. Yes. How did you respond to that? It was hard because I would put this whole press kit together and I did the research and I was like, no, the average American woman is 5'4". You know, that was what the research was saying and all of these stores were like shutting their doors at me saying like oh no we don't need short jeans we we are doing well like we don't have that customer here so I was like well where are all of the majority of the average American women shopping then right. so it was a it was a hard pill to swallow because I then I thought oh there aren't other people like me the research is wrong so I wasn't sure if I was in the right market even you know so that was a little scary thing to kind of have to 
come to grips with, I guess. So how did you do that? Because when you're groundbreaking and you're not realizing it until halfway through your business mm-hmm. plan, that's kind of a, a decisive moment because you can lose your confidence. Yes. You know, you can find difficulty in getting people to finance you or believe in you. Yes. Do you remember moments when you doubted yourself? When you realized, I'm doing something that hasn't been done before, can I actually do it? Right. And and that's exactly what I thought. I was such a small company. I was like, I can't change the industry. I'm just one brand. And so really, I had to think of different ways to kind of get into the bigger industry. So instead of going to like these smaller boutiques um, who you know, weren't ready to take that risk on a brand like me, that's when I started to focus on a bigger company. And that's when my bigger goal of getting into a Nordstrom was my focus because they had a petite section. They had these things within their department store. So they had an understanding of of that customer. So it was nice. And that became my goal for a good two years, I feel like. So and it um the former GM of Nordstrom Hawaii always jokes to me when they ask him, How do you get into Nordstrom? He said, Go call this girl Allison because she was just <laughs> persistent and I wouldn't let him tell me no. I mean, every time he did tell me no, I would just keep coming back to him. And so he just always jokes about that as as kind of the push through that you have to do as a small business if you want something. Yeah. And I think that's so fascinating for small business owners to hear mm-hmm. is that it's the no's that make you stronger. It's yes. the no's that make you go back and look at the drawing board and go, well, why did they say no? What would make them say yes? Yes, yes. Were you in a position where every time they said no, you would think, okay, well, what do I need to do to make the yes? Yes, and that's all that I would ask him is, okay, you said no this time, I get it. And a lot of it was just timing, right? Like He wanted to say yes, but he had other brands that he had already promised floor space to. So me coming to an understanding of what actually happens on his side as a buyer or as a manager really helped me to understand how do I just kind of infuse myself slowly into the market with him. And he was so generous that he would also offer, you know, so I would sit down with the buyer of the petite section and we would just talk story and she would really mentor me through like, well, you know what I need right now is actually this kind of top or this kind of jacket. And it wasn't what I was doing, but if they needed it, I could make it. I was a designer. I could manufacture it. So they really helped me to kind of come from it at a different angle, not an egotistical angle, right? Like, no, I just want to make this one product. They told me, well, I have a need for this product. Do you want to make that? And I was like, sure, I can make that too. So it was a nice um, mentoring process for me to see how big the industry is and how you can kind of shift and change to so that you can get the yes. Which is a powerful story, whatever type of business you're in. Now, now that you're very well established and a well-loved brand and congratulations <laughs> on, <you. laughs> on all your success, one of the things that you really focus on is empowering women and making them feel really good about how they look. Mm-hmm. And you do that through a variety of, of ways, through media and also through your, your online and your in-store selling experience. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because that is a diff- you do have a different approach to how women can feel confident in clothes. Yeah, I think for women, you know, it always starts with who's the person designing for them. And so I'm very transparent on who I am. You know, I'm a mother. I've gone through the aging process and gaining weight after, before, kids with kids. And so really talking about that so that, again, that feeling that I felt as a student was, is it just me? Is it just my body that doesn't work in this clothing? 
And really, it's not. We're all going through that same experience. So if I can share my experience with my customers, they understand like, oh, she's feeling the same way I am, you know, like the muffin top and the back fat and whatever, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be very transparent about my experiences and that I use those experiences to create clothing that then kind of hides the imperfections or accentuates the part that we want to accentuate. And so we really talk a lot about that through our website um, and through our mission. And then we also try to use real models. So so if you go to our website, you'll notice that we use real models. A lot of it is friends, friends, mothers. And I try to use different um, body types as well, different ages and different ethnicities so that you can kind of identify with somebody on our website and feel like, oh, if it looks good on her, it'll look good on me. So we kind of are trying to create that sense of community where you're not left out of the party, so to speak. Yeah, because it's such, I mean, as industries go, it can be one of the most polarizing industries exactly. that exist. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, considering it's an industry that relies on people coming in and buying, yes. it actually has done more, I think, to alienate its customers in the past Yes, than, you know, almost any industry I can think of. I can't think of any store that is intimidating to me except for a fashion boutique. And yes. there was many years where I just wouldn't even go in them. I was like, well, I don't belong in that kind mm -hmm. of shop. Yes. So, I'll, you know, I'm very comfortable in Whole Foods. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> or or the, the complete kitchen. Yes. But I think that's an experience that's shared by so many people that you have obviously broken through. Now, that brings us to how you had to pivot and reach women in mm -hmm. a completely different way because of, you know, March 2020. Um, my guess is it changed your business in a way that you would not have chosen to do at that time mm -hmm. and launched you into just a whole new way of doing things. Yes. I think just like you're saying, what we could do person to person in a store had to completely get flipped upside down. I wasn't able to make that connection that I could face to face. So then we went back to the drawing boards to figure out how do we make that connection to our customers, whether it's online, through an email, through a website. And really, we had to invest more money to kind of put that messaging out there. And that's a scary thing to do during a pandemic when most people are closing their doors and saying, like, we're just going to pause and wait this whole thing out. You know, we were really like, I'm going to invest a little more money in our website. I'm going to re... So we had to pay a bigger amount of money to kind of do our email marketing and figure out how to create that messaging and get some mentoring and guidance from a lot of experts. Um, and then it came that we were realizing that customers were wanting to shop. They were sitting at home wanting to shop. And so we wanted to also create an experience for them. And that's kind of where the try before you buy came into play. And so after like a Warby Parker or that sort of feeling, you know, you want to be able to try on six pieces, but you don't want to pay for six pieces because right. really you're only going to keep maybe two. Um, so that's why we created Izu Try. And that was just something that, you know, we were thinking about during the pandemic that would help people to be able to shop at home. And then it's fun, right? You're like, ooh, you get this package in the mail. You get to like put on some cute clothing. And then it's it was seamless and easy for them to do the returns. So I think it was just like a fun experience to figure out. I enjoy problem solving. So it was fun for me to figure it out. <laughs> but as a small business owner or a growing business owner, um, the logistics of these things are always far more complicated yes. than, 
you know, it looks on the surface. I mean, for those of us watching you, it just seemed like all of a sudden there was a great new website with the ability to try on clothes at home and mm-hmm. send them back. And it just seemed, wow, of course, that's so logical. Right. But I'm sure that the, the, the infrastructure that you had to put in place and the systems, that must have been quite trying. Yes, it wasn't a lot of apps and technology. I was fortunate that I had a team. Um, I didn't want to have to let them go once we closed the store. I had, you know, a team of six. So it was really about how am I going to put them to use to help me with this new um, idea. And they were the ones who probably felt like it was technologically um, advanced on the front side. But on the back side, they were the ones figuring out like, oh, I know who this customer is. I'm going to research, you know, what she's previously purchased. And I'm going to figure out what to recommend for her to try on these six pieces. So it wasn't like a stitch fix or that sort of thing Mm -hmm. where you have these algorithms. It was an actual human doing some research and then pulling um, six items for a customer. So I was fortunate that my team was also able to shift so quickly with me and and be so willing to try something new. And was personalizing the digitization of your business um, kind of okay? I mean... It seems like your personality comes through the computer. I mean, Mm -hmm. when people get email letters from you, you know, they're very personal and, you know, we kind of know what you're doing and feeling and and it seems, you know, that it, it is simple to reach us. But I would imagine that digitally trying to reach people who before you had always reached by talking to them and you know, touching them and measuring them mm-hmm. must have been a bit of a concern as well in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. I mean, I'm not a copywriter. I'm not a graphic designer. So really understanding how the person is receiving the message was more important than what's the message I want to say. So really, it's a lot of psychology. And, you know, we we leaned really heavily on like email marketing experts and, and copywriting experts to kind of help us to, because for me, I could write five paragraphs in an, in an email. And a lot of times people don't want to read five paragraphs. So how can I make it more concise, but still have that same feeling as if we're talking story? So that was a lot of uh, retraining for myself, which is a good type of retraining, I guess. What would you say to to bi- people listening? I mean, obviously, this is a business podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, members of the Chamber of Commerce come in all shapes and sizes. But I think one of the things they have in common is they like to hear how other businesses in Hawaii manage, mm-hmm. how they do things, how they think differently. And, and I think we have so many creative business owners in Hawaii. What are some of the things that, that you, on a broad scale, say to people when they ask you about starting your own business, running a business? What are some of the things that you say, okay, definitely do this. Do not do this. Right. I mean, persistence is key. I always tell people if you're not go- if you're not willing to be your own cheerleader, it's going to be really hard to survive because there's not going to be anybody waking you up to get to work and do that thing because you're own your you are your own boss. And when you work alone, a lot of it is self motivating and kind of pushing yourself past the difficult parts of your business. And then the harder part is when you start to hire a team. You worked in a room by yourself and now you have to manage and lead. So really it's about 
you know, what are you doing to improve yourself as a leader? And so a lot of it is like the books you read or the podcasts that you listen to and how can you just continually challenge yourself to be a better leader? And that's kind of where I'm stuck right now just because my team is growing and now I'm getting further and further away from the actual processes of design and production and marketing. Now I'm managing a team to do those things. And so I have to almost like retrain myself as an entrepreneur of who am I? Like, what am I supposed to do? I'm not the one, you know, picking up the bolts of fabric, taking it to the factory anymore. I'm the one managing it. And leading that person so I have to create systems and like it's not where I thought I would be when I first started this business so it's definitely a learning experience all the way through. <laughs> do you still have time to do sketches and I get do. there and cut fabric? Yes and- I'm still I still design and production is still part of my blood I don't think they could ever as much as they probably want to kick me out of that part of the business I can't I I'm still a technical um, person in that way, and I want to be tied to that. Same with marketing. I'm still the voice of the brand, so I still do a lot of the copywriting. Um, so it's it's fun to kind of find where my expertise lies now um, and where I can find team members or employees that can do it better than me, and so I just need to step back. So that's always a hard thing as an entrepreneur to hear. <laughs> like, I can do it better than you. Just go away. So, right. But those are the good. things people need to hear, right? Yes. We all know about companies who are micromanaged, yes. companies that are micromanaged, and and really are, are less because of it. Mm-hmm. So it's yes, a good lesson to learn. You know, I want to just sort of end here by, you know, we are in almost the season Mm -hmm. to be merry. And I think this Christmas, a lot of us are already thinking early about things to buy and gifts to give because of, you know, the pandemic shortages and deliveries and postal and stuff. I would like to say to everybody listening, if you're someone who often goes at Christmas time to the big department stores and buys a gift card for your partner thinking, oh, well, that's general I would say go online to Allison or go to Alamoana to Allison or go to Neiman Marcus because giving a gift card from your store to someone is such a different experience from just going shopping at mm-hmm. our our brand stores, right? Store. Right. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, especially at the holidays, people are just like, oh, I don't know what to give. I just don't know what to. I think um, gift giving from a local brand like you with a very specific mission is just a fabulous idea. So I'm going to encourage everyone to go and find you at the Alamoana Center Store Level 3. That's a beautiful store, by the way. It is. Thank you. We're in a really good location, yes. Of course, you're in Neiman Marcus (laughs) and uh, online now. Yes. And so wonderfully easy to navigate the website at alisoneasy.com. Alison Izu is the owner and designer of her own fashion brand, Alison Izu. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. I just love talking to you. And I think so many of us are just so impressed with your amazing rise to success. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming. It was great being here. Thank you. You've been listening to The Voice of Business, the official podcast of the Chamber of Commerce Hawaii, brought to you by Altruist. Join us next time for more stories behind Hawaii's business.